0: Okay. Here's a bit of paper napkin maths for you. The Tour de France is 21 stages long. Each stage requires between 5,000 and 8,000 calories. So the average rider burns around 136,000 calories per tour. If a gram of carbs is four calories of energy, that means Egan Bernal needs to eat 34 kilograms of carbohydrate this July. That's a lot of pasta and rice cakes.
1: Wow. Okay, that is a lot of maths, and that is also a lot of calories. But luckily, Bernal and his Ineos Grenadiers teammates have got a secret weapon. that science in sports energy supplements, including SIS Go isotonic energy gels, the world's first energy gels to mimic the gut's fluid composition in order to be absorbed more rapidly into the bloodstream.
0: Like all SIS products, Go Isotonic Gels are scientifically formulated to help riders maintain their pace for longer. So each energy gel provides 22 grams of carbs to boost energy on the bike and stave off fatigue.
1: When ground Tours are raced on the edge and won by seconds, it's crucial to get the right fuel at the right time. So this summer, join Ineos Grenadiers and add some science to your fueling strategy. Go to scienceinsport.com the world leader in endurance nutrition, and use the code SIS-TDF23 for 20% off any purchase. That's SIS-TDF23 for 20% off any SIS energy products. Welcome back to the Cyclist Magazine podcast. I'm your host, James Bender, and with me is just me today. Um, I hope that's all right. I hope you don't mind, dear listeners. Uh, we do, I say we, I do have the Royal We. The Royal We has a wonderful guest lined up today. It's Carlton Kirby, who is top Eurosport or GCN Plus or Canal, Channel Five, whatever they used to be back in the day, commentator. We've had him on the podcast before. He is just a wonderful chap, but he's also got an encyclopedic. Knowledge of cycling, and while we don't touch on it today, I do think the way he got into cycling is totally brilliant. He basically started going to France to work in his mate's dad's biscuit factory, I think, uh, and he used to go and spend summers there as a teenager. And he just picked up all of all the lingo, not just the language, but the kind of local farming chat about the price of milk and how to sow really good corn or whatever it is farmers talk about. Um, and that just gave him this really amazing insight into. Rural France, this exact sort of insight that you need when you've got six hours worth of flat stage to cover and you don't have anything to say except to talk about what the riders are riding through and they're riding through rural France. So he does a fantastic job uh, in the commentary booth because he's got this brilliant background in just being a super francophile. But he's also just written a book because he's a big cyclophile as well, if that's a word which is a follow-up to Magic Spanner. It's called Sticky Bottle, um, or Sticky Bidon, if you're French, I suspect. And it's a wonderful read. I'm three-quarters of the way through. I've really, really enjoyed it so far. And we talk about that in the chat. But we also get Carlton's insights into where he thinks the Tour de France is at at the moment. So let's see if he's right, because we recorded this a few weeks before. So without further ado, although I'm going to put in one more ado, there is one more ado before no further ado. And that is, do remember, guys, that we are a wonderful print magazine, as well as a wonderful podcast, hopefully a wonderful podcast anyway. And I like to write some words in that magazine. So do lots of other pod contributors. And you can subscribe anytime you like through the magic of the internet by heading over to cyclist.co.uk. And at the moment, we're giving away, because it's summer, obviously, and because everyone's in France, a wonderful pair of Equoi, which is a French brand, sunglasses, which are currently being raced um, on the heads of some of the, uh, the French riders, ag 2 I think, for example, part example, if you'll excuse my French. So yeah, they're worth 75 quid. So that's not a bad little Brucey bonus for taking out a subscription to the world's greatest cycling magazine. Of course, I'm a little biased. But anyway, without further ado, there are definitely no more ados now. Welcome to the Cyclist Magazine podcast, Mr. Carlton Kirby. Carlton, welcome Hello. back to the Cyclist Magazine podcast. It's just me now, been a while. I'm afraid. It's been a while, yeah. I can't remember. Did we, we may have spoken in between lockdowns or just after one. There used to be two of me. Joe has since left. He's, he's gone on to bigger and better things. Um, but it's lovely to see your face again in a, slight, <laughs> in a slightly different slightly different place and certainly... Slightly ruddy. Look like a an overfed butcher. But, anyway. <laughs> but you, uh, you're not where I thought you might be. I thought you might somehow have already gone off to France because you've only got how many weeks until D Day? Like when? When do you go off to start commentating on the tour?
2: Well, I don't because uh, I'm going to be voicing it entirely from Chiswick. Um, really? Unfortunately, yes. Really sad commentary positions cost an awful lot of money mm-hmm. and then COVID came along and we all had to do it remotely. And then they, uh, they suddenly found, gosh, that's a lot cheaper and <laughs> we can't really tell the difference. Um, so I think a lot of our reflected knowledge from years and years on the road, I mean, we know most of the climbs and and what have you is kind of lent on a little bit. So we'll see. I mean, it, it might, uh, we might get back there. We have certain personnel who are lucky enough to go and enjoy life on site still. I think Adam Blythe's on the motorcycle again, uh, trying to shove his microphone into uh, people's faces. He used to get some good responses. But yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be uh, on the road. It's uh, it's not a massive secret, but um, you know, if it was, it's out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll be in my own bed each night, which is a good thing. I don't have to cope with uh, Sean Kelly's driving, which is a, another great thing because that scares the pants off me. But yeah, um, the commentary team and generally speaking commentators uh, within the group don't go on site.
1: Oh, sad times, really I sad
2: times. And, all, I mean, and also, when,
1: when are you going to be taking breakfast with Cathy and Greg LeMond? Because this is going to be <laughs> an incredibly clunky segue into the fact you've just released your, I think it's your second book, unless you're moonlighting as a crime fiction novelist.
2: Ah, well, yeah, watch this space. There might well be something else coming out. Uh, but yeah, because it's been a bit of a crazy life, to be honest. You know, everyone, uh, I, I do these stand-ups I'm, uh, uh, as well. Uh, so I even, evenings with, with the great Duncan Steer, who used to be with uh, Pro Cycling. And we have a real laugh. But uh, the road less travelled is where I've been um, throughout my life, to be honest. So, I mean, when we were, just going back to what you were saying about being on site, I used to spend seven months on the road, which meant the life virtually miss my kids growing up and in fact not many uh sort of main headline commentators have kids simple as that david duffield didn't q porter same um phil liggett same you know rob hatch is still waiting but i <laughs> i have two and uh they used to scratch their heads and wonder who the hell i was when i came through the door um Sorry, I've done a segue. That's what no, happens. No, no, no. I go a- down alleyways. This happens. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. Because I, I was, you know, you just
1: interrupted um, my segue with your segue. So we just we just keep swapping segues instead of those. But no, it's <laughs> it's, it's um. It just occurs to me, having read um, Sticky Bottle and then magic spanner before, that Greg Lamond, but also Kathy, his wife, pop up quite a lot as characters that always seem to be at the breakfast buffet in whatever hotel you're staying at. Because <laughs> Sticky Bottle, dear listeners is another book from Carlton about life on the road, about those seven months that you spend away from home. But it's not just looking at the races. It's kind of talking about your life around the races. Indeed. And um, so, yeah, hence having great descriptions of sharing uh, practical <laughs> jokes with Le Mans as you put a huge boulder in one of your producer's suitcases <laughs> that he then logs around for the next couple of days whilst you're at yeah. the Valtour Catalunya or something like that.
2: So It took him ages to find it, actually. Uh, the reason was <laughs> he, he was asking us to carry his bag all the time, and it was uh, what I like to call a Texan wallet. If you ever see these American <laughs> tourists turn up, they usually have these enormous suitcases, and quite often they'll have them so that they can strap one to their front and one to their back if they're hiking, which means... Going on the train and walking from the station to a hotel, <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, he was um, uh, Massi Adamo, a lovely guy, uh, one of the best producers actually out there. He's a he's an editor, in fact, um, so he chops together highlights and does an amazing job. Everyone wants him. That's the problem, uh, but when you've got him, you kind of do him favours because he's genuinely a lovely guy. But yeah, he asked us to. We Dan Lloyd and I had a Fiat Five Hundred uh, Grande, which wasn't very Grande at all and uh, he asked us to carry his bag which was this enormous thing and it took up most of our car so um, it was incredibly heavy because he never washed anything he basically just started at the top of the bag and put the dirty stuff in the bottom and (laughs) gradually moved up (laughs) and so we were saying it's so heavy Massey, we don't want to take the bag and he said no come on guys it's no problem it's uh, you know anyway so one night we thought we'll make we'll make it heavier so we picked up a piece of granite, and it was enormous. It took a long time. It was like those Hercules balls <laughs> that the world's strongest men try and carry. The Atlas Stones. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So we shoved one of those in his bag. It was there at the side of the road. You know when the hotel doesn't want you to park there? So we put that in his bag. And when he came in, it he'd, he'd was a bit worse for wear. Well, better for wear, I think, um, because he'd been out with the uh, production crew. And we said, Massey, your bag is really heavy. And he was like, come on, guys, it's not so bad. And then, of course, he picked it up. <laughs> he grabbed the handle, nearly ripped it off, trying to take it up the stairs while he was trying to prove in that sort of macho way that the bag wasn't that heavy after all. He carried it, <laughs> he carried it for three days and uh, before he found the stone. That's how dirty his underwear was. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the scariest part yeah, of that story. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, the difference between the two books is uh, Magic Spanner was um, what I did was I took uh, sort of life as a commentator, really, uh, full on. I divided up a day. So we started off in the, in the morning. I think it was with uh, me trapped outside my hotel room naked, <laughs> having to uh, rescue some Japanese tourists. But anyway, that's right. Uh, so that was at 2 a.m. And I took sections of time through the day and gave you snippets of uh, what we would be doing by bringing anecdotes from that time within, within a, co- a commentary day sort of thing. So it ended uh, with me sort of uh, getting a bit mournful sitting and having my own sort of private Chinese meal, uh, <laughs> I think, at the end of the, uh, the Tour de France. But this one, the blooms really like it. They, uh, and uh, They like the way it's selling as well, because it's going crazy. And it is, here it is. Sticky bottle. This is the cycling year, and it's the roads less travelled. Oh, look at that. There we go. So it's the roads less travelled because cycling is, as you know, a brilliant, amazing global sport. And many people think it's just about the Tour de France, or indeed if they have a bucket list, it usually includes the Tour de France, which is fair enough. But there is so much more that you need to, to go and see out there. And what I've done is I've basically gone around the planet I've taken the calendar, and so I've started off with the GP Marseilles. I know there are earlier races, pedants, but um, yeah, GP Marseilles. That's the uh, that's the gangster dash, where without giving too much away, I ended up wrecking a shoot by um, a, a movie shoot for the film Taxi Two. <laughs> a
1: very a very expensive movie shoot, I imagine. Lots of extras, lots of cameras, lots of blown out stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So basically, it's these crazy stories attached to races, uh, which go all over the planet. So uh, including as far afield, as um, Funafuti Atoll, the capital island of Tuvalu, where I won my only, uh, my only ever race victory was the coast to coast race there. It's only 650 meters. (laughs) (laughs) It's over the airstrip. (laughs) Amazing. And how did you end up in Tuvalu? Um, I fell out with the BBC. Um, um, and what they exiled you, or you you, you just turned no. around and, and kept walking? I was on uh, rolling six months contracts because um, because they were looking for something a bit more Oxbridge. Uh, the great um, David Dunhill, who was a voice uh, coach at the BBC, he said uh, he said to me once. Uh, he said, oh, Carlton, your voice is far too uh, uh, remote metropolitan for the BBC <laughs> at the moment. He said, however. Times are changing, and it will come your way. Um, and he was right, because all the uh, stuffed shirts slowly got moved out. Uh, the clipped voices disappeared. But by that time, I'd left, and I was with TVAM. Um, however, as I was walking out the door of the BBC, after a big argument with uh, with an editor <laughs> at Look East, there's the Norwich Norwich Connection guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Alan Partridge Connection. Um the the editor had uh, had basically had a, a reporter's contract when he was a youngster, and it was revoked after three days because he was crap. And so he ended up in management. When I waltzed up as a sort of mid twenties person, he didn't like it. So basically, he said, "You know, we're taking you off reporting for a while. Um, I think you're going too fast, too soon." All right, fair enough. Um So I resigned, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I applied for a job, which uh, the deadline had already gone and it was to run a radio station which had been given as an aid package by Australia to keep nine remote tropical islands of the nation of Tuvalu kind of with a bit of cohesion so um, I turned up I nicked all of the jingles from Radio Norfolk and staffed and basically ran this radio station on a tropical island near the international dateline and yeah it was the most remote thing of ever (laughs) I've ever done. Uh, It was crazy, because there was no internet, obviously, back then. Uh, There wasn't even a phone. Uh, There was a ship-to-shore radio back to uh, uh, Fiji, which would then put you on the international phone system. And before I went, the United Nations, because it was part of their development program, I I went to Geneva for a a final talk. And they said, you know that you are the most expensive person in the whole of the United Nations to insure." (laughs) really he said yeah so can you please take care because if anything happens if you get a broken leg for example because um it's the tropics and it's likely to be gangrenous very quickly (laughs) we have to send a hercules full medical uh, uh, unit from new zealand wow (laughs) and it's about a seven hour flight from there
1: when was that then? Because how, how times have changed, I'm thinking. You're, you know, <laughs> they're not sending you to the Tour de France now, you're in Chiswick. Whereas yes. before, once upon a time, you were staffing an incredibly remote radio outpost. I'm imagining a little bit like um, Robin Williams in Good
2: Morning Vietnam. Do you know what? I nicked that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a, an English music programme in the morning and uh, i started off with good morning to Manu <laughs> <laughs> uh nice of you to, uh, to 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 remind me of that yeah uh, when i arrived there was not even any records nothing to play you know because it was or uh, tapes indeed and so i got in touch with um uh, afn the armed forces network from the united states um, I sent them a, note, a letter which had to be flown out on the plane to Fiji before it – so it's going to take weeks to get there. And I said that all we have at this radio station – this was genius – I said was um, Russian folk music that had been dropped off by uh, a, a recent festival. <laughs> and, uh, and they just sent us a library of uh, music. But, of course, it was all country and Western. But the islanders loved that because, uh, you know, all this island dancing. Um, a lot, a lot of hands because um, it's too humid to be doing anything else. <laughs> um, they express uh, the songs, so country and western music is very was absolutely ideal. And uh, in fact, if you now if you do make the trip to Funafuti uh, Funafutiato, all you can hear is um, uh, island music, which is indeed uh, ukuleles and the like playing country and western music and translated into tavada. and because it was all like you know my. My granny has passed away and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) all this sort of neo-tragic, but, you know, rather sweet kind of music. So I influenced an entire genre, which is Tavaloan music. I think you can actually tune in on Radio Tuvalu, actually, if you do one of your scanners. Tune in and have a listen. All of this sort of begs the question, you know, how on earth did
1: you end up in, in cycling? Which I'm going to say, if you want to know the actual answer to that, do listen to our previous podcast with Carlton. Because so I don't want you just to have to retread over old <laughs> ground, especially when there is so much um, in Sticky Bottle, which I love and I wanted to ask you about. But the main thing in that book, which was really surprising to me, is that your favourite race isn't some completely far-flung thing that you've, no one's ever heard of. It isn't something very esoteric like the National Hill Climb um, in the UK. It's something kind of, just middle of the road, but you've got your own reasons for it. So tell us, what's your favourite race in your 36 race calendar, which uh, Sticky Bottle features?
2: Remind me, is it uh, Torello Adriatico?
1: Yes, yes. I was hoping you were going to say that, otherwise the next bit's
2: lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, No, I've had, uh, because various encounters, people say, oh, which is your favourite classic and all the rest of it. But yeah. Uh, Tirreno Adriatico, and I also absolutely love Strade Bianchi for kind of kind of similar reasons for the for where they come within the season. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a race where all the stars are kind of waking up, uh, so it's a bit of a test race really to see how you've carried your form out of the winter uh, before things get really serious. But it is now getting serious, so you've kind of uh, built that up a bit. But Italy, they're not really say this quietly in love with cycling. They are a bit, and in fact, they, Milan-San Remo is, is kind of their big festival because it comes as well as a time when everyone's just desperate for spring and to move on, But uh, and Strada Yankee site so fits into that niche as well, coming a little bit earlier. But the Torello Adriatico is where you will find that the hotels are pretty much empty. In terms of radius, you can get very, very close to your stars. In fact, you can end up spending – Uh, having breakfast with Peter Sagan. I mean, you won't be able to understand him, obviously, but you'll be (laughs) able to enjoy sitting down and listening to a hornet in a jam jar, which is basically his voice. Uh, But you can actually do that. And in fact, you go to the trucks when they're warming down at the end of the day and, you know, you can have a chat. You know, don't try and chat to some of them because uh, you just get short shrift. But uh, there are others. If you if you if your here are there, you can get very close. You could even be staying in the same place. And of course, it's the perfect uh, it's the perfect race, coast to coast. You've got all the Italian food, which is just magnificent. And yeah, it's it's always full of drama. Often you get stages cancelled because of the weather. I must admit. Uh, but if you're lucky enough to get that beautiful spring sunshine, then it's just fabulous and of course it abuts very closely to uh, strada bianchi so if you're going to go on tour if you're old and crinkly like me and you've got yourself a camper van that's the time to go those are the races to go to because it's just nice and compact you know you'll find yourself as well that uh, the race occasionally does loop stages um so you can stay more or less in a hotel for 3 or 4 days and still reach all of the tours, uh, all of the stages uh, that you want to, and see all the action. So, yeah, that's a, to me that's that's what makes it just fabulous. It's the proximity to all the stars, lots of drama, and it's spring for goodness sake. So you're coming out of miserable winter. Seems a bit strange now because of course it's summertime. Absolutely, yeah.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? That like, I mean, Turin is not exactly. That young, but it's a relatively young race. I think it's like mid sixties, nineteen sixty six yeah. or something, first edition. And then Strada Bianchi—that's a really young race. So that was yeah, early two thousands maybe. And I think they even had a sportive first, and then they the sportive was so <laughs> went so yeah. well. They made a pro race. What is it about those races? Um, I know yeah, Italy is great—the food. You know, it's mm. in the springtime. But what is it about those races that makes them? in that strange way more exciting than the big hitters like you know like the 120 whatever year old tour like you know like races that started pre -pre pre-first world war what is it what have they captured there
2: I think a lot of the classics and indeed a lot of the a lot of major races they lived on retrospection because you had to wait till next Wednesday to get your uh, to get your report on the race sometimes you get it in the morning papers and they cut out all the boring bits. And I mean, look at Milan San Remo. My goodness. <laughs> the Milanese plane. For goodness sake, you know, if you like your pancakes, you'll love this race. <laughs> it's just incredible. And if you notice the last few years, um, because I can I can carry nothing <laughs> for long distances, um, I generally tend to get the planes. And then, oh dear! Uh, and Rob Hatch will come through and, and finish the race off when it gets a bit interesting, which is really unfair. But anyway, the, the carrying my audience upon my back—it's like uh, some kind of uh, <laughs> photograph from the Vietnam War, with you know me just shifting everything. <laughs> the burden is just phenomenal, uh, carrying all that, that nonsense. That's when you earn your money as a as a commentator. But I think to answer your question races always sounded a lot better in magazines and newspapers than they actually appear when you go flag to line and we i think the audience is kind of realizing i mean even podcasts a lot of podcasts admit that they're not actually watching the whole thing that they'll if especially if it's cut something like a hockey stick stage uh where you've us uh, ice hockey by the way um otherwise you'd fall off the tip but uh, <laughs> you know sort of flat with drama at the end i mean Who wants to tune into that? Unless I'm on, obviously, and then it can be carried. But the reason why the Tirreno is so great is their short and sharp stages. Uh, The reason why Strada is so fantastic is because it's drama right from the beginning. You never quite know what's going to happen. The terrain itself lends itself to all kinds of shenanigans. And, you know, one day Strada will be a monument and they'll kick one of the other ones off.
1: Do you think you can't you can't imagine? Can we? Is there? No, there's no space. You can't have six monuments, can you? That would be a bridge too far for everyone involved in cycling to add a add a six. You'd have to kick something out.
2: <laughs> now you're going to ask me which one?
1: I am. Yeah. We, which which <laughs> one you kicking out? Which one can't we have? Stradivankis come sidling in.
2: I like them all in their own ways. That's the problem, and this is the problem for all cyclists. That's the sort
1: of thing you say to your children, but you know which one you really <laughs> love.
2: Uh, well, I'd make. Um, I'd make Milan San Remo a dummy classic. (laughs) Chop off the first bit.
1: (laughs) Just a mint. Controversial. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's a constant conversation that we have uh, have in the office, I have with other cycling journalists, um, and, you know, just goes on. It's like, what is it about cycling that makes it great but fails often to translate? And how can you drill down to that essence to make it, a better more saleable commodity and you look at other sports cricket is always the one that's trotted out 2020 i'm not into cricket i couldn't tell you whether it's good or bad but apparently it's quite successful um and football has always worked incredibly well because whatever happens worst case scenario you're getting 120 minutes plus a bit of extra time plus some penalties you get that resolve what do we need to do in cycling to or, or to the point what what is the essence that makes cycling
2: great. And how do we distill it? Well, I think the distillation is already happening, actually. Um, I think the racing that we're getting at the moment is better than it has been for many years. It's certainly less predictable. And that came out of COVID because when the riders – I mean, there was a lot of racing that went on through COVID, and thankfully we're, we're gifted in having our arenas are you know outside – So it was the first sport, really, that fully re-engaged. However, there were so many teams that did not know what their roster would be, didn't know whether we were going to get locked down again. Uh, Money was a problem. And there was also very, very few contracts around. There was a shrinking of rosters. And so suddenly, for riders, it became absolutely essential to wave your own flag even if you had, a, had yourself a contract, you needed to get out there, first of all, because if your career is built on your Palmares, then you need to enhance that at every opportunity. So all of a sudden, it went crazy. We have you know, riders attacking, and we're asking questions. What the hell's going on? <laughs> and, but it just made for absolutely magnificent television. And, you know, all of those great um, ambassadors, really, the carriers of the torch of drama, such as ala and such as Sagan and, and all the rest. They, they, uh, poor Sagan, he got himself COVID three times. And I, I think that's the re- the reason why he's knocked back so quickly. You know, his his career is one of those that could have carried on, but he's going to be at the uh, the tour. And that very same reason is why this tour, in particular, I think anyway, is going to be completely crazy at the beginning it has been built sorry if i'm drifting away from what you were saying but i'm not meaning to at all i i you asked me for a distillation of uh of what could make this good i think just an encouragement really for people to actually to actually watch it because as it stands at the moment i think we've got some of the best cycling that we've ever had just going back to that point again about uh this year's tour you've got so many retirements coming up uh, Greg Van Avermaet, of course, is uh, is heading off. Peter Sagan has decided this is his last year. Likewise, Mark Cavendish, whether he'll get that, you know, the last stage win to um, go the all-time greatest, I don't know. But what I do know is that they have designed this year's Tour de France for Philippe to be in yellow for the first hmm, couple of days. We're off to uh, – we're just over in uh, the Basque Country – and it's absolutely Ala Philippe country. And this is what the tour organizers do. And it's no shame. I love it. When Bradley Wiggins went in twenty twelve, they could have actually gone round to his house a year before and said, okay, tell us what sort of course you want. Because they were desperate to get uh, the Sky Money in, to get a new kind of a, a new winner, and Brad, of course, duly repaid the favour. But this year it's got Ala Philippe at the beginning written all over it, because I don't think he's got more than two weeks in him. Um, because of his uh, his own comeback. So this year, the Tour de France, all we need to say to people is watch the Tour de France because straight out of the box, it's going to be mental. And this is what cycling has been like since lockdown, since COVID, because riders were so desperate to actually put themselves in the shop window, not knowing how long the racing was going to go on for before we locked down again. And so strategy kind of went in the bin. And so all those old days of just plodding around, waiting for, for, you know, tempoing throughout an entire day, there's no patriarch anymore either. You know, there's no father of the peloton for everyone who can come up and say, all right, lads, knock it off. We're not doing anything for another two hours. Those days are gone. So, um, yeah, all you have to do to people is say, watch this and then nail them to a sofa and, uh, and enjoy
1: Restrap has been making technical bikepacking gear in their Leeds workshop for over 13 years. It's durable and functional. Every Restrap product has a whole lifetime warranty. And Restrap gear is made from sustainable materials wherever possible
0: i've been using restrap bags for a while now and i've actually just finished riding from london to tunisia where i used a restrap frame bag and honestly it's brilliant absolutely loved it the top tube bag is cracking too and i'd argue that the restrap quack sandals are probably the most important piece of bikepacking gear you can buy serious game changers for my tired little feet
1: Every ReStrap product is made in-house, which means they have full control over the production and their staff are really into the riding too. So that really helps ReStrap make easy to use, reliable products. Use the exclusive code cyclistmag10 for 10% off at restrap.com. That's cyclistmag10 for 10% off at restrap.com.
0: And don't forget that the Cyclist Magazine podcast comes from Cyclist, which is also a magazine which you can subscribe to and get every single month. And we're also a website, cyclist.co.uk. Uh, we've also got some brilliant social channels for up-to-date pro and tech and everything else coverage. So that's Instagram and Twitter.
1: It's a funny thing, isn't it? I think the thing that, for me, as an armchair spectator of myriad sports, the thing that ruins sports, consistency and tactics. And I was listening to Ronnie O'Sullivan the other day on um, Desert Island Discs, and uh, Lauren Laverne asked him about his 147 that he did in five minutes, Hmm. whatever. Did he ever watch it back? And he was like, no, I don't like watching it back because it just reminds me of how badly I was playing at the time because I was so inconsistent, (laughs) Lauren. And you think... That's such a crazy way to look at one of that yeah. sport's most incredible moments. Is from the point of view of I don't know should we call Ronnie Southern an athlete, a sports person? Um, he's a good mental runner, mental agility, apparently. yeah, yeah, we'll huge mental agility. Yeah, he doesn't even see that as good. So we kind of need our our players to be reckless to make it really exciting. See, so yeah, I so, totally see what you mean about coming back and thinking like, yeah, I've only got a few moments to
2: dress this shop window and make my sales. Exactly that. And so we had, we've had, we had some of the most dramatic racing that there has been, purely because of that pressure. Uh, but equally, a lot of things got binned. Do you remember all the arguments before we had lockdown about whether or not they were going to ban power meters to stop people mm, riding, yeah. riding to the numbers? And that, to me... Was a strange faux debate. I think it was trying to show a little bit of empathy because the cycling had become a little bit dry. But, you know, they had to sell power meters. So the power meters and the company, you know, the, the sponsors were saying, you've got to be kidding. We need all this stuff because everyone buys it. So, you know, it's back to rotor brakes. What a waste of time they are. But anyway, <laughs> 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 and a waste of time when they're trying to change a wheel. Uh, I'll be interested to see if anyone goes with uh, Clintress this time. Do you think everyone, everyone will be on tubeless? Just makes, I, I just don't know. I mean, looking at the terrain, it's just, it's uh, the first couple of days of this race are going to light up and it's going to make you, I don't know, either weep or sing for joy. I was actually just checking out this morning, the absolute parkour of the, the opening day. Into, in and around Bilbao, which is an amazing city anyway. We, how many climbs have we got? well, probably about 20 in total, but actually classified only six. But the last one, which is only a Category 3, 10%. So, yeah. you know, two kilometres of 10% and then downhill into town. I mean, what's not to like? What's not Philippe about that? And then the next day to uh, uh, San Sebastian, which is a place you need to go to. Absolutely. Um in fact, if you go to northern northern Spain, just head along the coast, Galicia and the rest of it, and you will find nobody there. It's like – got into trouble with the Cornish tourist authority for this. I said, uh, it's like Cornwall with better food. <laughs> oh, they went mental. People were like, getting in touch. How dare you? We've got more five-star, well, three-star Michelin restaurants than the rest of the country. I said, yeah, but I don't eat in those places. I eat street food. I want, uh, you know, lads uh, – Pulling out sardines from the harbour side and putting them on a grill and selling you them for tuppence. <laughs> Obviously, I give them fivepence, but anyway,
1: not curing outside Rick Steins.
2: <laughs> yeah, Rick, put your prices down, mate. You know the fisher fish arrives in Padstow, and I don't want to pay eleven quid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit of cod, anyway. Um, yes, so yeah, me and the Corish uh, Tourist Board don't really get on, uh, especially as one. <laughs> One day after the tour, we did actually holiday in Cornwall, and in fact, we're going back this year. Um, in fact, I go back every year, but anyway. <laughs> I'm so good for punishment. St Ives, I think I got short changed in six shops. It became a, it became a, a little bit of a sport. I give them a twenty, they would give me change of a tenner, and I just stand there and like, what? I say, well. If you check your 20s, it's got CK written on it because of this sort of behavior. <laughs> <laughs> top tip of you, if you're paying with notes, scribble a bit of pencil on there first, but anyway. Um, yeah, so into <laughs> San Sebastian. Over the top, uh, what we got, 8.1 kilometers of 5.3%, but with ramps, a of uh, 9, 10, and 11%. And that's another downhill. It's another Philippe stage. They're doing them a favor. Um yeah, if he can get to, to two weeks, then that will be something magnificent. And you can probably say the same actually for quite a few of the others. I'm hoping that the GC battle is not kind of done and dusted because I fear that Finger Go is on such amazing form that even the Pog's going to have trouble. Um, so it might be a runaway. Interesting.
1: That, so you and also you just pointed to something. The, the magic of what we're doing here means that we might not be recording this when you're hearing it, let's just say, it might be a little bit earlier. So actually, do <laughs> you just hit upon the fact that almost, I think, two weeks to the day is when this is going to go, um, or two weeks into the tour is when this is going to go out. So we've already established that Alaphilippe has has spent a good deal of time in the Malojo and France has erupted and Tommy Voigtler's thinking, hang on a second, is someone going to unseat me as France's <laughs> most popular Frenchman? What's going to happen on the day this comes out which is stage 12 um, which is uh, Royante right uh, Bellevue on uh, Beaujolais it's the day after Bastille Day so it's the ba- day, so yeah so who that's another question who's who have we got a French winner on
2: Bastille Day uh, Bastille Day is stage 11 is that correct so is that uh, Clermont ferrand to Moulin that would look like the one yeah well that's a that's a sprint day do you know what they've gone and done They've they've actually decided that the uh, they're going to go climbing reasonably quickly. So on stage five, we go to pa- Po to to Poe, Poe, Sean's least favourite place in all of France.
1: What is tell me? So Sean Kelly, ladies and gents, Carlton's uh, co-commentator. <laughs> in case in case uh, you didn't know.
2: In case you didn't know, uh, He thinks Poe is uh, in his own words. Once he said, "It's just." Too heavy. <laughs> um, <laughs> you go there, and uh, I think uh, the burden of coming from a Catholic nation, you know, you're supposed to uh, acknowledge, of course. Uh, <laughs> every time you're reminded of of uh, of any uh, 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 of anything religious. And, of course, in, in Poe, you, you're busy crossing yourself. <laughs> so I think he finds it exhausting, just uh, a little bit oppressive. And there's a few other places as well where you go and they are uh, religious shrines. And, of course, they're on the tourist map, which is why they're on the Tour de France. And they can get a bit um, – well, they can be awe-inspiring naturally – uh, but also they can get a bit weighty, and Poe is, uh, poing around there, and that um, it, it's very, as you know, Lords is not that far away, and so it, it begins there. This sort of uh, emanation, really, <laughs> of uh, religion <laughs> in the high ground. I guess wherever it's hard to live, uh, that's where you kind of relied on your hope. Somewhere else, perhaps in the Almighty. Anyway, <laughs> um, Col de Sudet, it, we, we slam into it on stage five. So uh, we've had the fun. Um, Alaphilippe may or may not survive the all category because it's, a, it's absolutely, uh, the Sudet is a, is a brute. Um, we deal with that. And then the next day, Tarb to uh, uh, Cotteret Cambasque. The secret about the Basques is in there. That's Col d'Aspin, Col de Tourmalet, and we finish up the Cotteret. So you think, wow, we're really fully in it. And Then they switch the light off. Right, thank you very much, fellas. <laughs> I mean, talk about not being able to set yourself a rhythm. And then we're straight into um, uh, into sprinting again. Uh, Mont de Marsan to Bordeaux, and then uh, the run to Limoges on stage eight with another couple of kickers for a last chance saloon for Alaphilippe, I reckon, before then finally on stage nine, which is always the brute. If you want to go to to a great day stage nine of any grand tour is the one uh, provided of course day 10 is the rest day and that is because everyone goes all in there's a rest day tomorrow those who are clinging on trying to survive they've just got to get over this uh, those who want to make a big noise for the gc it's going to be now uh, because you can make your moves and then you've got a day to uh, actually if you take the lead you're going to be spending it in the press conferences so maybe not <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, Saint-Leonard de Noblat, uh, we've all heard of him. To uh, Poi de uh, that is the all category. Is that the first top category? I think it's the second of the race. I think um, it's a- Yes, I think so, too. And that, I don't think we finished on the Pointe-de-Dôme for, somebody told me, for 35 years. Wow. So, there we go. So, uh, go and fill your boots. That is... The last five or six kilometers of that never fall below 11.5%. So it's horrid. So they're knackered. Yep. They've just been over to uh, – they've had a rest day. They come out of that and they head to Iswar, which is a, a great Philippe day. You know, they've, they've tried to pump his legs back up. <laughs> um, he's absolutely empty, but he's had a rest day. Um, Philippe is not a busy rest day rider. I mean, he's busier than Peter Sagan, who basically eats Haribo and plays computer games, as you all know. <laughs> um, but so, each to their own. Then we come out, Clermont-Ferrand, uh, to, uh, to Moulin, which is another sprinter's day, and then boom, here we are. We are at stage 12. What's going to happen? This is the Greg Van Avermaet day. He's um, he's played Champagne Charlie. He's looked after himself for the entire um, uh, race so far because he's busy being signing autographs and waving to the crowd. And then all of a sudden, he gets a day where, if he didn't do it in the very opener where Philippe I think, is going to be at the monster, then he will have saved himself correctly and properly for this day. How lovely would that be? GVA and Peter Sagan. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dream that's all i'm talking about there are you know there are so many great names who are leaving the sport it's as if there has been a made not not even a, a turning of a page but a bidding of an almanac um this is you know we're, we're saying goodbye to some phenomenal talents this year and of course we'll be saying goodbye to mark cavanish uh you have got to ask me now whether i think he can do it or not yeah,
1: I mean, it's the, it's the million dollar question and the cliched one at that. But yeah, do you? I mean, in your in your heart of hearts, obviously, you know, we all desperately want him. Except for I don't know. Do you think Eddie wants him to do it? I never know with uh, you know, how how magnanimous can um old champions truly be? But yeah, we all gunning for Mark to do it. But but is it is it possible? Is there a stage in there where you look at it and you think just like the GVA stage, that's where he can burn
2: all his matches and and get that result? It'll be the first ones. Um- the problem with 4Mark, unfortunately, is that he's in a GC team. He's not in a sprint team. And every year people ask me, um, because I do a few sort of stand-ups before we get to the, uh, to the tour, who is uh, – because they, they know I, I like a flutter. Uh, or maybe give fluttering advice. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'll let's say let Senko. The last couple of years – I wouldn't back in this year, but just as an example – um, I said t- top ten the last two two years and the last two years he 's done it, and the odds have been phenomenal first time I said it um he finished i think uh, seventh did he do better last year haven 't checked double checked the result, but top ten anyway, and he can get top ten results top ten this year wide of i mean of all the main favorites i 'm expecting somebody to at least slam into the podium that a lot of people aren 't expecting to do so and, and And maybe you're thinking, well, no, of course he's going to do it. Ben O'Connor is amazing at the moment. He's absolutely hit a a rich vein of form. And he's not got any burdens about him either. And within that team, I think he'll be fabulous. I didn't answer your question about the uh, the stage, did I? (laughs) So how's it going to be? Crystal ball time. Let's have a look. So we've had the climbing. And the, the, the following day is Grand Colombier. So nobody is going to want to, all the GC men, they're going to let everyone else have their fun. So if you've been clever and you've lost a lot of time, just like Greg, uh, (laughs) over the last couple of days, this is time to press go. We might even see Sagan have a bit of a dig about this. and How lovely would that be? So I'm going for the oldies on this stage. I think um, it begs a breakaway. We come straight out uh, the back door of Rouen to Montagny. If you're not stopping at the side of the road and you're uh, – if you want to stop on the side of the road anywhere around here, Montagne is the place because they do the most amazing wine. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's fabulous, and it's, uh, it's relatively unknown beyond France. And, yeah, so fill the back of the car in Montagne and then skittle off. It's a lovely stage. Uh, we have two category three straight out the back door, but there is no point within this day that's flat. And your last kicker, you get a category two, which is the uh Col de Croix Rosier, up the Rosier. Over the top of that, you've then got um a double peak before a run into town. It just begs adventure. So I think we're gonna have a fabulous day on the twelfth. Uh, the twelfth stage, I should say.
1: Excellent. And then and and coming off the back of that, um the dust has settled. You sort of mentioned Venigo um him being incredibly strong and possibly too strong for Pogacar, but who's you, we're midway through. Whose wheels have come off and who is looking a dead cert for a podium?
2: <laughs> oh, Well, when you ask whose wheels have come off, that usually means who do you think's a bit of a flea? <laughs> <laughs> the man that I obs- – I, I, I really, really want mickelander to be brilliant because within him is brilliance. But within him, it also is a great spectre of gloom. I mean, I remember once saying, um, I saw him go, go back to, the, <laughs> back to uh, uh, the medical car, and he was just talking to them. And it was a day where I didn't think there was anything wrong with him. <laughs> so I said live on air, I said, I, I impersonated Lander and sort of said, uh, have you got anything for a, for a bad sulk? <laughs> <laughs> And um, do you know it hit the mark? Um, it, he's a man, it's just his nature. Disappointment weighs very heavy on him and he can't come back from him. And so Mikkel Lander is the man who is likely the wheels are to have come off very, very quickly. But he's the man that I most hope that doesn't happen to because he's he's genuinely a lovely guy who just gets crushed by his own disappointments. So I think that might happen. There's a lot of expectations being posted The man who is not the great ignored by any means, but I think will go extremely strongly, and this is unusual really, uh, for Movistar, Enric Mass. It's unusual for Movistar to be contenders within the tour because they generally kind of keep their powder dry for the welter and they've been sort of satisfying themselves with, you know, the team title and all that kind of thing, almost as an excuse. But Enric Mass is looking strong, I think. Who else? Are you asking me for disappointments? Yeah, go on. We, let's keep with the disappointing theme. Let's, let's
1: re-top really up Mikhail Anders, uh, just disappointment well <laughs> with other schadenfreude situations.
2: Just, just so there's, there's a few others. Oh, I don't know. I mean, there, there are stage winners within this that I think will sadly not repeat the feat. So let's do it that way, shall we? So that they, we can watch out for them on certain days, but don't expect too much. Uh, Louis Menkes, I'll put in as one of those lovely guy. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm given to displays of emotion occasionally, and I I did shed a tear when uh, when on air when uh, when he uh, took a stage of the welter. Sean Kelly, of course, switches the mics off and he's like, pull yourself together, man. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. So moments of silence is actually me being harangued by Sean Kelly. <laughs> uh, not necessarily me just gulping. It's him like, for God's sake. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Um, why don't we stick to surprises? Who's going to uh, pull a few out of the bag? Yeah. Ciccone and Shelmos, if uh, they both make the trip, I think they will for a uh, Little Trek. It's a great name, isn't it? Little Trek, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Whenever I can't think of which team a rider's in, it's usually Trek. So I'm like, oh gosh, who does he the ride? Part for? spin of cycling is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. The very expensive <laughs> parts spin. Yeah, I think so. It feels that way. I mean, it's um, but they're they're pulling it together, which I like. They've got Mass Pedersen, of course, who's uh, always great fun. And the man who I unkindly said uh, once was named underwater, Volker Mollmer. That's right. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> he's going to be there as well. This is the thing. I When I'm in commentary, I mean, it's not exactly Tourette's, but I, I have a thought bubbling up, and it's almost like I have to say it, otherwise I, I cannot move on. <laughs> and uh, Sean Kelly's aware of this, and he's sort of, <laughs> his mouth goes like a cat's ass, and then he's looking at me, shaking his head. No, <laughs> 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 Uh anyways. Uh so where were we? Um who do I want to see go well? I want to see Roman Bardet go well. I'd love to see him thrive. And if he can do it on um on Bastille Day, um or indeed beyond, I think it's the day before. Point de Dome. I can see him winning up the Point de Dome. But then, you know, um basically the wheels coming off. And you know what I'm saying about the oldies? A couple of years ago, I backed uh, Rigoberto around for a podium. I think he finished uh, fourth, but it was a fantastic run. And EF Education Easy Post, um, I think every neutral's favorite team, really. I'm speaking on behalf of you, obviously, and everybody else. but, But they always send entertainment, and they have some great ambassadors. There's not a moody bugger within that team. They are just... A lovely bunch and i think they've got this collective spirit of right we're going to stick it to them um i love that about them i think the same applies actually to uh, team dsm Ferm firm firmanich firmanich <laughs> <laughs> it's a new sponsor leave me alone yeah team dsm <laughs> do you know whenever a new sponsor comes in of course, the uh, the PR people get in touch with you, and you say, "Will you please mention the entire team when you mention our team?" Like, no, you know, not all the time. Borrow Hands Grower, I remember, uh, you know, Hands Grower, get, you know, please, you have to call us borrow Hands Well, in commentary, I'll be calling you Borah, and if Hansgroer want to change that, let it be called Hands Grower Borah, and then that'll be the case, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's a nightmare when you come into PR people because they, their job is to promote the brand and keep all the sponsors on board. But when you're dealing with, oh, anything by Gianni Savio, to be honest, thankfully he's not in this race. Um, What was it? Uh, Oh gosh. I, you know, I cannot remember the name of his team because it was so crazy back in the, do you remember it it, it had Dequi Giovanni, Sentimenti, Venezuela, It was unbelievable. You know, there used to to be um, there used to be a team in uh, in motor racing, Le Mans, and um, they sold uh, basically Post-it notes. And you 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 put your company name on it or your own name, and it was uh, I think it was two hundred dollars, and they'd stick it on the car, and that's what Gianni Savio did. Just incredible. <laughs> so yeah, it's impossible. Sorry guys, but um I guess Sudal quick step can probably get away with it because we're just trying to say quick step and we can't get past Sudal, yeah. but
1: anyway. It's very true. I mean, do you do you get given a kind of list of new words, let's say, that you have to just teach <laughs> yourself to say, you know, you we can you can joke about Balcomolins' name and and, and because you can say it, right? That's, you, that's funny because other people know how to say it, you know how to pronounce. It's been around for long enough. But then a new title sponsor comes in or a new, um, a new rider starts winning races and you're having to call that name all the time. Do you sit down or do you find yourself going on, on, on walks with a kind of Duolingo in your earphones, just repeating <laughs> names so that you get them right? Because it's, it's crucial, isn't it? It's
2: crucial to call those, those names as they are. Well, it is. And I, but the thing is, people, people who are watching think you're doing it wrong. And quite often I'm doing it yeah. right. Um, because I've, uh, one one chap got in touch and he was really irate. He said, Jakob Fulsang. Why do you call him Fulsang and not Fugelsang? Because Fugelsang means bird song, you idiot. <laughs> I said, well, um, and I read that out on air and I said, well, actually, what I did was uh, this morning at breakfast. I said, "Jakob, how do we pronounce your name?" And he said, "Fool sang." <laughs> it was the easiest way of me telling somebody to piss off <laughs> <laughs> without using those words. Um, but yes, it is a challenge. And I mean, is it Vliegen or Vliegen? You tell an me. I isn't E, so it's Vliegen. An E is an I, so it's fligant, if it was the other way around. So that's the, that's the problem that you have. And, of course, you can crash into that at any time because even now that I've asked myself the question, there yeah. are now two alternatives. <laughs> and the game of commentary, you know, 20 minutes after I've spoken, my voice is hitting Saturn. It's not like I can finesse what I've just said and or indeed the mistakes that I make, of which there are many. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just have to... Bend with the wind, and sometimes the the wind becomes a storm. If you really do cock up, but um, what's
1: what's been your stormiest? What stormy moments spring to mind? Where you you, you've been that tree on the Tuvalu in the tropical hurricane,
2: and it's just sheared off at the root. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Normally, there's been a few sort of monuments to fallen riders that I've missed because we cut to them with no warning. And then you're trying to work out, and of course, um, those people from um, wherever this rider might hail from, little thing, unexpected things like that, that if they're not teed up, and because we're not in charge of the pictures, you never know what's going to get shown. And so quite often we'll come through and there'll be a famous monument, and it's not only to fallen riders, it can be to war dead or, or indeed some kind of very famous incident that's been missed on the notes. The producer doesn't know what the hell's going on, so we can drift for a, a, sometimes a minute, minute and a half. And if you talk, it's disrespectful. And if you don't say anything off the back of it, <laughs> so you find yourself googling like crazy. And sometimes you come out of that, and that really, that really does upset people. But there's not much you can do, you know. It's live. There's no research element to to what we're up to. So, unfortunately people do get upset with that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. But but with the research element, how much of that research do you have to do yourself? Is it incumbent upon you? Because I I always think like... It is. Yeah. So, so right. So, are you... When you're starting to kind of... I mean, you had it there, right? You've got your tour um, course profile kind of playbook. When you're starting, when you're getting that delivered and when you're starting to kind of turn that into some bedtime reading?
2: Well, I do this thing called uh, a codec uh, for... Just about every race, um, in fact. Uh, yeah, uh, there's the Occitani codec. Well, the there four we go. stages of the Occitani. Good use of highlighters. Yep. So uh, as you can see from the little cells here, yeah, uh, that's uh, it. Gives you the number of the stage, the distance, the destination, the profile. Also, the uh, the little dots are the sprints. You have got the uh, the climbs. Then underneath that, you have the jerseys. It was orange in the Occitani. I didn't have a blue highlighter, so it looks like a bit of scribble. <laughs> 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 After the green, the blue being the mountains jersey in this one. Uh, then you can see the break as it was the numbers of riders who were in the break and their numbers. Then the uh, top ten, all divided into with a with a hashed line, so I know I can automatically see was the top five. It helps you with reference. And then normally I put a little comment at the bottom. And so by the time the by the time the race is a couple of stages old, the story of the race is now the race for the first three stages you better have everything in your head that's been before because from that moment on after we've done three stages maybe 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 a little more maybe five stages all of your research means nothing because from now on all you're going to be talking about on a grand tour in particular is what's gone on and what the dynamic of the race is because that's all that matters now We've left the history behind, so your major research effort goes into um, in advance, and we've we've got a great uh, producer, uh, Doug Ferguson, who has been in touch with all of the teams, and we have Zoom meetings with them all. So we speak to the DSs, for example. This Friday it's going to be uh, DSM. Uh, we're also speaking to uh, Little Trek just sounds like some guy, and here he is. It's Little Trek. We'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking to them. Lot of destiny. And then uh, next week we'll be doing, that accelerates, we'll be doing more and more of those. So we will have spoken to each team. We'll try and, those Zoom meetings are brilliant for us because it's not men in T-shirts congratulating each other, which is what all press conferences are. Um, they're virtually useless because it's too public and you're not going to get anything other than uh, they may as well hand you a leaflet and leave <laughs> for all you're going to get i mean you know you've been to these things it, it can be torturous so yes um you have to get everything in your head before i will have just as those that little battle plan i actually one piece of a4 does the entire uh tour with those cells so i can auto remember and i also uh order them so that i can kind of flip back and you know, three years ago, I can see when we were last here, who won, who was in the break, all that kind of thing. So it's a good record, but it's something that just kind of builds and builds. People got in touch and said, because um, I used to sell these codecs as well. I used to print them off as tea towels um, <laughs> f- for charity. They went very well. I ended up buying uh, myself and Ali Gaylor, who used to pull the whole thing together. We ended up buying over 400 bikes for uh, kids in Africa with um, with um, a buffalo bikes. in Quebec. Yeah, yeah, uh, with with the Quebec Charity, uh, which was great. Um, but uh, it all stopped in uh, COVID um, and just haven't picked it back up, to be honest, with people saying, what? You don't, you're not putting yourself out for charity? You go, well, how do you know? <laughs> I might be doing lots. <laughs> just don't like to talk about it. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so, yes, uh, the research effort, in answer to your question, sorry, it was a long answer, a lot of it goes into about now, really. And the racing's stopped. I've just finished Occitanie. I've got a few other things to do. There's the French National Time Trial Championship is on the 22nd. I've got the French road race on Sunday. And then, really, I'm in Reading tonight as we record this, and um, I'm in Southampton doing a night in Southampton on uh, On the the Tuesday before the tour, but really Mm -hmm. it's slotting everything into, you know, what's a a busy schedule of shoving facts in your head and more than facts, really, because you're never going to beat the armchair warriors at that. But the nuances and, you know, who's up and who's down, where the team balance lies, all of those things are, are far more important than knowing, you know, what uh, what ratios were used the last time we went up the point de dome. It was 35 years ago. Get over yourselves. Anyway.
1: <laughs> and you are the absolute master if the facts escape you and if the nuance <laughs> somehow proves elusive at just finding brilliant ways of describing <laughs> stuff. So I just wanted to end on a bit of a pop quiz on a few things that you have said. Can you tell me the rider about, what am I trying to say, about whom they are Of? But you you get what I mean. The name of the rider that you're talking about. Uh, So the first one is, he flies up the hills in the same way as breeze blocks don't. (laughs) Um, Possibly Peter Sagan. Correct. (laughs) He couldn't look more threatening if he had a lantern gland on his head and lived in the deep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is and that's a very good description if anyone's seen those fish as well, just in general. Just yeah. for yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> this is one of my favourites he's cleaned uh, I don't know how you clean around the corners of a race but he's cleaned around the corners and is tidying up the race I bet his middle name is Henry that would be Gavin Hoover (laughs) (laughs) which does make sense we know he's he's a track he's a track rider that's not someone I've actually come across I've
2: got to to be honest he's he's great sorry Um, Gavin he he won the uh, Track Champions League actually last year Um, which is uh, a new uh, UCI uh, indoor series Unless you're in Cali, and then it's a track but outdoor series. But uh, but 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 yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, as I say, I can't help it sometimes. Andre Greipel met me only a couple of weeks after I'd said that about him, and he was really quite. Um, it, he was a little bit upset. Um, yeah. He was uh, not not too upset. I said, "Hi, Andre, how are you doing?" He said, "Are you still screaming?" <laughs> 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 and I said, well, only when you're winning, Andre, which is quite a lot. And uh, that kind of, <laughs> that was a, that was broke, a, okay. broke
1: yeah, broke that <laughs> ice, bit of an olive Brian Yeah, exactly. I love it. And uh, I think this is probably one of the best puns ever committed to the annals of cycling on the Champs Elysees. Our, our, our boy who isn't Bradley is, uh, is riding and you cry out, Froom the Bell's toll.
2: Yep. I did it so often. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs>
1: Well, Carlton, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to chat to you again. And I Good hope joy. this isn't the last time. Yeah, me too. And I hope that you get back to um, actually having a hot seat in France at some point. Although I know that we'll yeah. all, all enjoy the commentary. or are, We are enjoying the commentary, as I say. This is, we are now midway through the tour. We are enjoying your commentary um, wherever it comes from. So thank you so much. My pleasure. And that was Carlton Kirby, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I really enjoyed my chat. I love the idea that Carlton was once upon a time. I'm assuming he was wearing a kind of Hawaiian t-shirt and um, sawn-off jean shorts and spinning some old 45s on uh, on the island back in the day. Being a radio presenter, he could go back to that. He could be our new Wogan. He, I would say, Carlton Kirby is Cycling's Terry Wogan. Wonderful chap, wonderful chat. And I just wanted to thank him again for coming onto the podcast. And I've also just recorded this slightly before the chat about when and where and what's happening in the Tour de France occurred with Carlton. So I'm none the wiser at the moment. I'll let you into a little secret. Um, stage six has just happened. Pogacar has been called Pogacar for the umpteenth time by Cadell Evans, who now I think is referring to him just as Pog because Pogacar is not a word that comes easily to him. It doesn't come easily to me, if I'm honest, but it's quite funny when you've got somebody who's on the Tour de France and I'm going to put my finger in the wind and say 2011 was uh, Evans' year and he's a really clued up bloke and even he struggles with names not like Carlton as Carlton pointed out he doesn't struggle with names he learns them but uh, I struggle with names Cadell Evans struggles with names I think that puts both of us in wonderful company frankly anyway so yeah who knows what's going on in the Tour de France at the moment um, I think when this goes out it'll be stage 12 or stage 13 and um, yeah maybe Pogacar has overtaken vinegar, vinego Vinigard. who knows um, or maybe Jai Hindley he's just he's just continued to be the stage hunter rocket man um, and he's going to put in a Giro-esque performance all to play for what a wonderful Tour de France it's been so far and what a lovely audience you've been to listen this far in the Cycling Magazine podcast Cycling Magazine man I'm tired It's been a long day. Cyclist magazine podcast. See you next time.
0: Okay, here's a bit of paper napkin maths for you. The Tour de France is 21 stages long. Each stage requires between 5,000 and 8,000 calories. So the average rider burns around 136,000 calories per tour. If a gram of carbs is four calories of energy, that means Egan Bernal needs to eat 34 kilograms of carbohydrate this July. That's a lot of pasta and rice cakes.
1: Wow. Okay, that is a lot of maths. And that is also a lot of calories. But luckily, Bernal and his Ineos Grenadiers teammates have got a secret weapon. that science and sports energy supplements, including SIS Go isotonic energy gels, the world's first energy gels to mimic the gut's fluid composition in order to be absorbed more rapidly into the bloodstream.
0: Like all SIS products, Go Isotonic gels are scientifically formulated to help riders maintain their pace for longer. So each energy gel provides 22 grams of carbs to boost energy on the bike and stave off fatigue.
1: When ground tours are raced on the edge and won by seconds, it's crucial to get the right fuel at the right time. So this summer, join Ineos Grenadiers and add some science to your fueling strategy. Go to scienceinsport.com world leader in endurance nutrition and use the code SIS-TDF23 for 20% off any purchase. That's SIS-TDF23 for 20% off any SIS energy products.